Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Sarah Olsher. She is the founder of Mighty and Bright, which provides visual schedules, picture books, and other tools to help overwhelmed parents prioritize mental health for their kids, learning together and incorporating coping skills into day-to-day life. Sarah's goal is to help parents help their kids through hard seasons. Sarah is a single mom and a cancer survivor and was chosen as a 2023 Remarkable Woman by Nexstar Media. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Let's start with your own story, Sarah, and your own hard seasons because they've been a few. (sighs) Yeah, I think, you know, I was very lucky to have a pretty easy childhood, which prepared me for an adulthood that was less than ideal. (laughs) But yeah, so I had my daughter and a year and a half later ended up going through a really brutal divorce. And my daughter was having a ton of anxiety and I did not know how to help her. My background was in psychology, but I had studied adults. And so I didn't know how to help her and immediately thought to myself, I think I should probably you know, find a therapist. And so I talked to my ex-husband about it. And he was basically like, I don't know how a therapist could help a two-year-old, but I found a trauma-informed therapist that was willing to take a toddler. And I learned so much about child development. And that ended up really serving me as I had to parent through this divorce. And then later, like four years later, I was diagnosed with cancer. And so I had to go through all of that as a single mom. And figuring out how to do that, really having that therapy experience when she was so young, really taught me a lot of getting through that stuff, talking to her about it. And what was it like the decision to kind of share? Because I think there's an option maybe at two years old to try to just throw a happy face on top of everything and be like, nothing's wrong here. Don't worry about it. What was the decision? Was it a decision? And what was it like to decide to share what was really going on? Be truthful with your daughter. Yeah, it was all of that research into child development, to be honest, because I thought because my daughter was, you know, two, she wasn't super verbal yet, that she really didn't understand what was going on. But once I started to understand kids, I realized that no matter what they're able to say, they can understand way more than we give them credit for. 
And so if we're not talking about this stuff, then they can sense things that are, you know, different than they were before. They sense like changes in your energy and your mood. They know something is up. And then because of the way that they develop in their brains, the whole world revolves around them. And so they're starting to tell themselves, I did something wrong. That's why mom is upset. I don't know what it is, but I did something bad. And we're not allowed to talk about it because otherwise mom would talk to me about it. We've talked about this with other experts in terms of racism. And when we try to raise kids in a colorblind world and don't talk about race and how people are treated differently... When we don't talk about it, doesn't mean that they don't notice that. They're just going to make up a story in their own heads that, as you say, is very self-centered usually, and it isn't that they don't notice. We are going to tell ourselves stories, right? So how do you... And then there's the divorce at first, and then the cancer at six, which is, to go back to what Margaret was saying, another fork in the road, right? There were probably lots of people who said, like, why would you tell... Why would you tell your kid? Why burden them with that? Just let them think everything's fine. What went into that process for you? I knew at that point she was six. I knew from now all of this experience that I had that if you don't tell them, they are, they don't think nothing is wrong. You are not protecting them. And you might think like, oh, you know, I don't want to break their heart. There's a lot of people with cancer who are, especially if they have like metastatic disease where it's terminal, they're like, I don't want to rob them of their childhood. I don't want to give them bad news. But really, you're just kind of robbing them of the opportunity to be a part of something that could build resilience for them. And, you know, when you look back at people who had a parent who went through something difficult and then they didn't talk to their kids about it, the kids grow up and they're angry about it. It's about trust, building trust with your kids and teaching them the skills that they really need for, because none of us gets out of life unscathed, right? Like something is going to happen at some point. And when it happens in childhood, we as parents can sometimes feel really guilty about that. But I look at it as an opportunity because we are there to hold their hands to help them learn how to cope through hard stuff. You know, like there was one woman I was talking to who said that her dad spent her entire childhood trying to protect her and like basically put her in this bubble where nothing bad ever happened. And then she went to college and 9-11 happened. And he was like, oh, no, I tried so hard. And she was like, and I had no skills. I had no idea how to cope with something devastating. And so there's so many reasons, like we don't want our kids to be alone in this process, you know, thinking that a subject is off limits, and then laying their heads down to sleep and worrying that they did something wrong, that they can't talk to you about whatever's going on, because they know, they just don't know what it is. And that opportunity to really teach them how to cope. And it does take some bravery. I had an incident that occurred and we had a trauma therapist and talking about that sometimes when you, because you are the person generally to tell your children about something, that it feels like you are hurting your child, right? And that you have this very nice other option to not tell them at all. And so it's quite understandable, I think, this instinct to be like, well, someone hit me with a bat. I'm not going to hit my kid with the same bat, but that's not really the right metaphor for it. It's like, 
introducing your kids to the truth of the world, not telling them doesn't mean it didn't happen and telling them doesn't mean that you're hurting them. And I think that that helped me really change my mind about it because I was having a terrifically difficult time, like even just verbalizing what had happened. And in fact, completely failed at it, couldn't get it out of my mouth and then ended up, you know, her friends ended up filling in some details that would have been much better coming from me. But I think that the instinct, you see that little innocent face looking at you and to be like, I'm about to crush your world. We feel very personally involved. And it definitely helped me to have a little bit of that perspective of like, you really are just the messenger. It's not, you're not actually wounding this kid by yes. telling them the truth. Yeah. There's a lot of cancer survivors who are like, I feel so guilty for what I'm doing to my family. And there was someone that I, a health psychologist that I was talking to during my treatment. And she said, I really want you to get away from that. Cancer is doing this to all of you. You are not doing this to anyone as if you would choose to be diagnosed with cancer, as if you would choose for any terrible thing to happen, you know? But I think one of the things that I realized going into this was because of all of that research, because of what I went through with the divorce, I had developed a skill of being able to take something that was really complicated and really make it simple so that a child could understand it. And I didn't find any resources out there when I was diagnosed with cancer that made that conversation easier. And as time has gone on and I've met more and more families that are dealing with things like cancer, like a terminal or chronic illness, like their own death, these are conversations that are really hard for us to have with other adults, let alone figure out how to have them with kids. And so it's really become a passion of mine to figure out how to explain these things to kids and then provide that as a resource to parents, because if there's no resource there to make it easier, it's a lot less likely that a parent is going to have that conversation for the reason you just said, like, how do I even get this out? You know, you talk about teaching resilience to kids as part of these conversations, right? You're going to walk them towards greater resilience through this. And it's funny because I think sometimes that's the easy exit for us. We say, well, kids are resilient. He'll won't remember, right? She'll bounce back. She'll do this. I say that about my own kids when they're dealing with hard stuff. Kids are resilient, I suppose. But sometimes we use that as a sort of maybe free pass to get out of worrying about them. And how many of us are in therapy trying to recover from our childhood? You know, I think we say that and it's just because they're not able to really show how much things are upsetting them. Like one of the things that was really eye opening to me with that trauma informed therapist was she said, it's really good that, you know, because my daughter was not coping and I didn't know how to help her at home. Right. So she was teaching me things. And one of the things she said was a lot of kids are having trauma happen to them when they are pre-verbal and parents think they're okay until they start having behavior issues when they're in elementary school. And the reality is that the problem was actually happening a lot earlier. It's just, we didn't realize what was going on. So it sucks because like parenthood's hard enough, right? Without like the fear and the guilt of like, oh my God, my kid is going to be messed up because they're not actually that resilient. They are. It's just, we have to build the resilience ourselves and we have to learn alongside them. Like, how do we support them through this stuff? 
You know, we only have to be one step ahead of our kids. We don't have to know all the things. We just have one step ahead. And we can all handle that, right? Because we understand our brains are fully developed. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> There's a part of that that really speaks to me. I want to drill down on it. When we come back, we are talking to Sarah Ulsher, the founder of Mighty and Bright. And we'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. I think that one of the things that gets in our way when we're trying to help kids deal with difficult things is the fact that we don't have answers and that that it's speaking about one specific incident and other things that have happened, like bad things happen to good people, terrible things happen for no reason, you know, like loving healthy dad dies. Like, why would this thing happen? And I think that sometimes we're scared to have the conversation, to start the conversation, because we so quickly get into I don't knows, and that that feels like they're looking to us to say, like, but why would my friend die when she's eight? Like, I got nothing, kid. Like, I don't know why anyone dies when they're eight. It doesn't make any sense to me. And so I do think that this idea of just being one step ahead, like how do we deal in this treacherous land of I don't know when it feels like our kids are looking at us to make things better? Yeah, I think sometimes we are thinking of things in terms of like big existential questions. And one of the ways I would answer that question is because sometimes bodies get sick and they don't get better. And it's like when a little animal is born and something is wrong with one of its body parts 
and the body can only work for as long as all of the body parts are working. And so one of the things that I'm working on right now is a book about what happens when someone is going to die. And a lot of these questions that kids are asking, they're not super existential. You know, it's not a matter of like, well, we have to come up with like the origin of the universe and like the purpose of all things, because, you know, if they ask that question, then we have to say, I don't know. But we actually do know a lot more than I think we give ourselves credit for, because sometimes their questions can be answered with like science. And my when I was diagnosed with cancer, the book that I was looking for that I ended up having to write was the science of cancer, because the truth is things are a lot less scary when we actually talk about the truth and what we do know. And so my book was all about like the body is made up of cells. And sometimes the, and those cells are basically building blocks and the body can build and build and build, never run out of these cells, but sometimes they make a broken one. And the only thing the broken one knows how to do is make more broken ones. And when the body has too many broken cells, that's called cancer And we want to get rid of it because if there's too many broken cells, it makes it hard for the body parts to do their jobs. And when you are talking to kids about what is actually going on, instead of creating analogies or metaphors and trying to like, you know, sometimes we overcomplicate things in an attempt to make them simple. And the truth is, if you can make things that are going on as simple as possible without and truthful, it takes the fear out of it. Can you tell us a little bit about how this went for you with your six-year-old? You're holding your own fear about this, your own uncertainty. You're presenting it to her. How did that, and you hadn't done all of this work yet. You were new to this work, right? Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> That's what we always say. It's like, well, well, when we start explaining it, here's the thing. It stinks. It's not that we ever get to this is great. So it didn't, it wasn't perfect. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, and I think that is one of the things that I would really like to tell anybody that has to have any hard conversation with their kids is you don't have to do it perfectly for the first time. Like you were saying, Margaret, it doesn't have to be done perfectly the first time. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to like have this conversation and have it be perfect. I had like 20 billion conversations with my daughter about this. It is a not a one and done sort of thing. And so the when I first found out what was going on, I wanted to make sure I had a little bit more information before I told her what was going on. And it turned out you know, I thought my cancer was really early stage. So I explained to her what, you know, the body was doing and how I had one or two of these little broken cells and how I was just going to have surgery to have them taken out. And her first question was, are you going to die? And I'm thinking to myself, how does a six-year-old know this? And I said, you know what, honey, some people do die from cancer. It is a really big word that means a lot of things. And so I want to make sure that I'm having this conversation with you. And as an aside to use the word cancer, because other people are going to use the word cancer. And if she hears it from other people, like 
I want to be the one who is the source of this information. So I said, you know, people are going to have a lot of strong reactions because of how big of a word this is. But I want you and I to know that I have like baby cancer, not big, scary cancer that some people die from. And I said, you know, some there's lots of different things that people can do to get rid of cancer. You know, if you have lots of these little broken cells, sometimes you'll have a medicine where you have to lose all of your hair because it kills healthy cells too, but I don't have to have that. I'm just going to have the surgery, but I won't have breasts anymore. And then as time went on and her reaction to that was okay. And then she went in the other room and she said to my mom, mommy told me. And my mom was like, what'd she tell you? And she was like, well, she had the thing. I don't remember what it's called, but she's going to be fine. It's her important takeaways. Yes. But then when I had surgery and I woke up, it turned out that it had spread to my lymph nodes. And so I did have to have chemo. But because I had that basic foundational information for her, which is now in a children's book called What Happens When Someone I Love Has Cancer. So kids can read it over and over and over again and really understand it and not be like, mommy has a thing. I don't know what it is. Right. I don't know what it's called. But I had that foundation. So then I could go back to her and say, remember how we thought there were only one or two broken cells? Well, it turns out they packed up their bags. They were trying to move to another part of my body. So to make sure that we kill all of them, I do have to have that medicine. I am going to lose my hair. And that's going to be sad because we both really love my hair. But it's going to be okay. And here's what you can expect. Because that's the other thing is developmentally. Kids want to know what's going on. But they also want to know how it's going to affect their life. So when it comes to divorce, like, okay, we know we're having a going through a divorce. What does that mean? Was it my fault? You know, how are our lives going to change? But then to show them on like their own personal co-parenting calendar, like these are the days I'm going to be with this parent. These are the days I'm going to be with this parent. These are the things that like really bring it home for kids so that they understand what is going on and how it affects them. So there's a calendar for, you know, cancer also, because some of these fears that come up are Like, life is chaotic now. Different people are picking me up from school. What if somebody forgets me? You know, how are we going to spend time together when you're tired? Like, these sorts of things, we want to show our kids, like, actually using visuals so that they can understand how it affects them. I think one of the things that you said that I just want to highlight, because I think it's part of what I've had trouble with when I've had difficult, I think you taking the time to kind of go over it for yourself because the hard thing is that kids are going to ask the questions that you might not be ready to ask yourself. So this person is not doing well. Are they going to die? That's the first thing a kid is going to ask you or, well, dad and I are having problems. Is it because he doesn't love you? Whatever it is, like they're going to come (laughs) out with your worst fear and verbalize that back to you. And I think in reflecting on you talking about breaking this news and the first question is, are you going to die? Like you have to kind of be ready for the questions that are, you can't be ready for all of them. But I think sometimes we try to skip that stage because we're not ready to ask ourselves those questions, you know, like they're too hard. And a kid is like a scary little mirror sometimes. They are. (laughs) 
<laughs> well said. I would also like to say, though, it is okay for you to say, I don't actually know the answer to that right now. Let me do some research and come back. That's good. We don't have to have all of the answers. And if they ask a question, be like, you know what? I'm not actually sure, but that's a really good question. And then you go Google, how the heck do I answer this horrible question my kid just asked? And then you go back and you say, you know what? I've thought about it. And here's the answer to that question. We're talking to Sarah Olsher, founder of Mighty and Bright. When we come back, we're going to learn some concrete things we can do to help our kids gain more resiliency in difficult times. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Sarah, you listen to this podcast. You know that in the third segment, we like to get to solutions. So, and you offer that. That's what you did with your work, right? At what point did you decide to, this is something I need to take wide and bring to other people? I think, well, right after I, so when I went to that therapist, when my daughter was two, the therapist was going on vacation and she pulled out this like piece of construction paper that she had made a calendar on using like Dora the Explorer stickers. And she was like, on this day, you usually see me, but we're not going to see each other this day. We're going to see each other on this day instead. And I said to the therapist, is this like really necessary? You know, like, I don't think she understands the concept of like today and tomorrow, let alone like realizing we're missing a week. <laughs> and the therapist said, absolutely necessary. It really erodes trust between 
a therapist and a child if we take a break and nobody says anything. And the whole way home, it was spinning around in my head and I was thinking, if it erodes trust to miss one weekly session, what the heck is going on in my kid's head that her dad and I are suddenly split apart. She's suddenly in daycare when I used to work from home. Like everything has changed and she has no like concept of what is happening and when. And so I went home and I made this really horrible looking calendar using electrical tape and like handmade magnets with little pictures on them of me, of her dad and of a school. And when I tell you that it completely changed her anxiety level, I am not exaggerating. I cannot believe what a difference it made to just show this kid on a calendar, like here's today. And then she would go and check the calendar like multiple times a day because developmentally kids can't keep that information in their heads anyway. So even if we're telling them, they're probably asking 8,000 times, when is that play date? When is this happening? When is that happening? And it's because they can't keep it, that information in their minds. And so to see that trans, that transformation of this kid who was like, she would not leave my side. And it really helped. I thought somebody has got to have made something like this. And so I started Googling it and nobody was talking about how to talk to, how to actually help kids through divorce. It was all about the apps that the parents share and how the parents communicate with the schedule. And so I thought, this is this is a game changer. Like, we have got to talk about this. And so that was the first iteration of Mighty and Bright was a co-parenting calendar for kids of divorce. And then as time went on, and then I was diagnosed with cancer, I thought divorce is just like the tip of the iceberg as far as the suffering that families are going through. Like there are so many things that kids have to adjust to, whether it is, in my case, a, you know, cancer diagnosis or foster care, you know, military families that are moving all the time and really just everyday things are can be really overwhelming for kids. Our lives are really busy and every kid can benefit from knowing what in the heck is going on. And so I really at that point was like, okay, this has to be bigger than me. And so I started talking about it more Then I wrote my first children's book and that started to be used in hospitals. And then the hospital child life specialists were reaching out saying, this book is fantastic. We need one for kids with cancer. We need one for their siblings. And so it kind of took on a life of its own. And then the pandemic hit. And I was noticing all of these horrible statistics coming out and they were declaring, you know, a state of emergency for kids' mental health. And I felt totally overwhelmed. And I thought there has to be some kind of like positive statistics. There has to be some research about how we can help prevent these horrible things from happening to our kids because the pandemic was like, you know, fuel to an already raging fire of kids' mental health issues. And it was really just stressful to read it every day. And so I started researching, as I like to do. (laughs) And I found that they have already studied what the protective factors were for kids' mental health, like what we could actually do 
to help prevent these things. And they were things like having a strong parent-child relationship, having kids that know that they can come to you and talk to you when something bad is going on, emotional regulation, community support, structure. I'm like, oh, I'm all about the structure already. (laughs) And so I made a list of all these things and I found an early childhood specialist and I said, hey, I think we should work on this project together because it's not like either of us have anything else going on, right? And she's like, I'm totally into this because I feel really overwhelmed by this. And so she and I assembled a whole board of advisors and we created about 10 different products that could help teach different skills. And then we went and did a deep dive on each one of these skills. Like, how do you actually teach problem solving to kids? Talking to school counselors who were just like, oh, I hate teaching kids how to problem solve. Those kids are coming to me complaining all the time. And I'm like, is this a big problem or is this a little problem? Like, this is a little problem. You need to let it go and move on. And it's like, well, that actually doesn't teach them anything. We as adults are frustrated because it's just constant complaining from our perspective. But to them, it is a big deal or they wouldn't be coming to us with it. And so we basically figured out, like, how do we create a solution for like in the moment problem? Jesse pulled my hair. Sally stole my toy. You know, but then also, how do we teach kids how to solve bigger problems when they're super overwhelmed? And we created a whole workbook of like, okay, we're going to do a brain dump first. Then we're going to circle the things that are, you know, really the things that are bad. We're going to underline the things that are easy to solve. We're going to organize our thoughts. And then by the end of it, we feel better and we have like a to-do list of how to solve our problem. It's things like that, that we were not taught when we were kids and had to figure out probably not very well through our (laughs) twenties, you know, and by trial and error, but there are things that can actually be taught and imagine what it would be like if your kid left their, you know, elementary school and could go into middle school, knowing how to solve problems, knowing what their emotions are, where they are in their body, how to use coping skills, how the nervous system works, knowing that they can come to you when they are overwhelmed, knowing that they've made a mistake and that they can come to you and you're not going to freak out at them. Like we're building these things so that when they have their first heartbreak or when God forbid 9-11 happens, we are not presented with a child who has just completely fallen apart because they don't know how to cope. So coping with something difficult and getting through it, that's what builds resilience, not sunny innocence. Right. Having the skills to be able to do that. It makes so much sense when you explain it that way. Sarah, tell us about Mighty and Bright and where everyone can find it and everything that you do. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, it's at mightyandbright.com. And, you know, the foundation for positive mental health is visual structure because of the way kids learn. And so it's daily routines. It's a weekly calendar that belongs just to that kid, empowers them, makes them feel a sense of control over their own lives. That also, by the way, helps with their behavior because there's less power struggles. It's pretty amazing. And then there's a whole host of tools that you can get to teach these things to your kids to really like introduce emotions in a science-based way so that they can process them. 
And you can also find me on TikTok and Instagram at Mighty and Bright Co. where I talk about this stuff all the time because I love it. Fantastic. We will link to everywhere you can find Sarah. And thanks so much for talking to us today. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.